Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to move into this uh, next part of this series, The Invisible Enemy. It's a whole series on fear um, and how we deal with fear. And today, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go a little bit... Um, it's not going to be so much a uh, spiritual emphasis, though it is, but I'm, what I mean by that is it's going to be very practical. You're going to be able to put this stuff into practice as you leave this place today, and in practice tomorrow morning, it's not so much emotional or, or um, I don't know, mental practices that you do to make yourself feel better or, or to engage the Holy Spirit in, in your fear. It's actually things that we do. So I hope today you will uh, see the spiritual in the practical. Today's message is entitled Carpe Diem, Seize the Day. And the big idea of the message is this. If we are doing God's will, we can live each day with joy and thanksgiving, no matter the season of life we find ourselves. If we are fulfilling God's will, then we can live Enjoy in Thanksgiving. Now, people have a problem with that because that sounds so daunting. What is God's will for my life? Maybe I should have been a brain surgeon and I didn't, I missed it. I know you, you probably shouldn't be a brain surgeon. No, uh, I know I shouldn't be a brain surgeon, I'll tell you that. Uh, but the idea is, you know, maybe we've missed it. Maybe we've missed the will of God. And the whole reason my life is struggling is because I've missed God's will. I don't think that's, that's not really what we're talking about today. God's will is actually, actually simplistically difficult. Write that down. Simplistically difficult. And you're going to understand that it, it, it's pretty straightforward, but often very hard to apply. Okay. Maybe you're fixated on what the future is, what the, you know, what's tomorrow holds, God's plan, God's will, timetables. Maybe even you're, you're fixated on like the end times. Is the end times coming? Are we in the end times? Is God going to be back? Well, the, Jesus said it himself, we should know the signs of the times. That's all good stuff. But, but what about today? We could be so concerned about the future that we allow our days to be stressed out and worried that we're not going to find God's will. Or, I mean, can you th- think about this for a second? I'm going to stress out today about God's will so that every day until I get to the will of God is miserable. What did Jesus say? Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust me. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. And you'll come into those, you'll come into those problems in due time. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about worrying about the worries. Seize the day. What does today have for me? What is today going to be like? We can do God's will. All right, open with me. First Thessalonians chapter 5. This series is a walk through, a hop, skip, and a jump through, more like, through the books of First and Second Thessalonians. First and Second Thessalonians. Chapter 5. 
And we're going to look at verse 12 through 24. Verses 12 through 24. And then we're going to, we're going to go back and we're going, to, we're going to dissect them. Here we go. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Oh, God, help me with that one. I am not the most patient person in the world. I don't know if you know me. I like things to go fast food. You know, I like it hot and ready, 30 seconds or less. Patience is a virtue that I'm working on. Verse 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do to one another, uh, do good to one another and to everyone. And to everyone, I love how it says that. Rejoice always, here we go. Want to know what the will of God is, ready? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God? Bam, right there. Remember, remember I said it was simplistically difficult? It's pretty straightforward. He just gives it to you in like one sentence, one verse. But applying that is absolutely one of the more difficult things we can do in our Christian walk. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from evil, every form of evil. Now may the God of peace, oh, this is what we're talking about. Peace is the opposite of fear. May the God, he's the God of peace. A peace that passes all our understandings. Okay? May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Lord, I thank you for the, the word today. God, I pray that we would glean something from this powerful set of verses, Lord, that would resonate in our hearts every day. God, it's you who've got to do it in us. We, there's no way we can accomplish this in our of ourselves. But you said you will. You will do it in us if we will just give ourselves to you. Let your Holy Spirit work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Let's break this down. What is God's will? The big idea is this. If we can do God's will, we can live in joy and thanksgiving no matter what season we're in. Right? So it's three things. Because every good sermon has three points. Right? I mean, come on. Every sermon, every good sermon has three. Two is too few. Four is too many. Every good sermon has three. Well, let's talk about three things today. It is always God's will for us to seek to do good to one another and to everyone. 
That pretty much blankets it, right? So we could, we, could, we could lay it down this way. It is God's will for us to do good. Wow, that's, that's simplistically difficult. Right? Think about that for a second. Oh, sure, Pastor. That's easy for you to say. It is easy for me to say. Putting that into practice is a lifelong discipline, a lifelong process. All right? John 13, 34 says this, Just as I, meaning Jesus, have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I love that because it says, you know, a new commandment I give to you. This is important stuff. I'm giving you a commandment. Oh, boy, what is this commandment? What is God's will? What is God's command for me? You should love each other. What if the church as a whole took God's will for us and said, let's do good things for the people that we love, that are in our church, and then, oh, everybody, too. I think that would speak so loudly. They're going to know that you are my disciples by how you love one another, how you treat one another, how you care for one another. If you don't know what, what people are going through, Maybe we need to take another closer look at this passage. Well, I don't want to get in anybody's business. Get in the business. Love one another. Care for one another. Well, Pastor, I thought that was your job. Isn't that what we're paying you for? Yeah, kind of. But really? Let's get into it, huh? Let's be the church. Verse 13, be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. Oh, we need more of that. Well, I don't want to get I don't want to tell anybody what they should do. I'm not telling you to tell them what to do. I'm saying encourage them. Admonish them. Admonish means to, to, to push them towards something. Admonish the idol. I don't know if they're idle or not. You need to know people. This is not a spectator sport. Get in the game. That's what the church is for. To admonish the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted. There are a lot of faint-hearted in our, in our churches these days, in our world. It's our job to encourage them. Admonish, encourage. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. So what does that mean? In all these things that we're talking about, you know, it's, it would be really simple. Pastoring would be so simple. If I could, if somebody comes to my office for some help, and I say, you know, you've got to do X, Y, and Z. Thank you, pastor. It's like the words of God. They went out and they did X, Y, and Z, and their life is all set. That's not how it works. People struggle. It's okay. It's, it's, the, way, it's the way it is. You admonish somebody one day, and they're going to do the same thing that they, that they were crying about in your office the, the week, next week, and you have to be patient. We need to be patient with one another. We're human beings in a very sinful world trying to live a holy life. So in all these things, admonishment, encouragement, um, help, we need to be patient. We need to be covered in patience. 
See that no one repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good. Seek to do good to one another and to everyone. I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, I was quite the baller. At least I thought I was. It was at the end of a big game we were playing, and I did something right. Took the ball to the lane, strong. When you look back at, like, the things that you thought were so cool, you're like, wow, that was really lame. I mean, I was over the rim. No, I wasn't. I was like, uh, yeah. Thought I was awesome, though. I did something right. Went to the lane, went hard, got hit, went to the foul line. Game is on the line. I, I could be the hero. So I went to the foul line, and I missed both foul shots. I didn't have the right shoes. Tell Thad that. I got $85 budget for shoes when all my friends were getting 100 That's why I missed those shots. Your fault. Missed both shots. Coach calls a timeout. I come, you know, lumbering over to the bench, slam myself down into the end of the bench when the huddle's going on and I'm, my head's down. You know. It's Dad's fault. Not my fault. The coach looks over at me and says, Hey, Sangster, are you done? Because, you know, we got time left on the clock here. This game's not over, but I need to know if you're done. If you want to play this game, lift up your head. We don't say die till the last buzzer blows. Get out there and play the game. was mean. You hurt my feelings. I thought we all get a trophy after this. Back in the day. He was admonishing me. We got time left on the clock, folks. It's not easy. We're in a, we're, we're in a fight spiritually. But we can either sit on the bench, hang our heads in defeat, we can get back in the game. And fight till the end, till the last trumpet sounds. We've got to seize the day. Do good. Be about the work of the kingdom. There's too many Christians on the sidelines hanging their head or hiding. We need to be a people on the front lines. Don't miss your foul shots either, it's bad. Okay. So what we're supposed to do in the church is admonish, encourage, help, be patient, do good. Number two, it is always God's will for us to pray. And in everything, give thanks. Wait, in everything? Yes. Now, I didn't say for everything. It says in everything. Not for everything. Some things are bad. Losing a job, bad. Getting sick, bad. Losing a loved one, bad. These are bad things. These are things that we get because we're in a sinful world. The condition that leads to death is sin. Guess what? We're all going to go there. 
100% fatality rate, except for Enoch and Elijah. They always throw that wrench in the spiritual work. But yeah, we're all 100% fatality rate. Life. But here's the thing, folks. Things are bad. But in those things, we need to realize that there's something greater we can't focus on what I'm trying to say. We can't focus on the things that are bad. We've got to focus on the God who has overcome. The overcoming God. And we're thankful for what he has done. That, this, that this, this thing that we're going through is not our ultimate destination. It's a speed bump on the road that leads to eternity. Sixteen, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We can thank God for whom he is and what he has accomplished for us in the midst of our suffering and hardships. So right now you have troubles. That's okay. Jesus said you would. John 16, 33. I have said this, these things to you, that you may have peace. If you connect these two sentences, it doesn't seem like they go together. I've said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Oh, but take heart, for I have overcome this world. We're not living for this world. We're living for the next. We're walking through this thing. Speed bumps come. Yeah, they do. It's not fun. The kingdom of God is most clearly shown on earth when Christians gratefully suffer present troubles because they see a future weight of glory coming. It makes everything in this world throw uh, in the light of our momentary. It just, it just breaks away. Dude, our momentary afflictions are, are nothing in light of glory. Jesus is the perfect example. Second. 2 Corinthians 4. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. We've got to know the Word. The Word will set us free. It will allow us to accomplish the will of God. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The problems you're going through, transient. They don't last. In fact, the good things that you come into, take those with a grain of salt too. Because they don't last either. This world is transient. We've we got to make sure that we're not focusing our joy and our thanksgiving on just what this world brings us because we will be miserable because we'll always be looking for that next thing to satisfy us which leads us to a very consumeristic view of of God which leads us to the concept of the genie in the bottle God if I just rub him the right way maybe he'll bring me to another good thing He's God. He is the good thing. 
He gave us himself. What, do you, what more do you want? He's giving us eternity. We, we lose sight of that, guys. The things that are unseen are eternal. So how can we give thanks in all circumstances? There's only one way. It's Jesus' way. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for whom the joy that was set before him, who for the joy that was set before him, what is before us? Endured the cross. You think you got it bad right now? Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to the joy set before you. Look to the joy. Look to the joy. Stop looking at the circumstances and look to the joy. Eternity with Christ. Jesus knew that this temporary thing was going to happen. And it was awful. And he went through it. But he despised the shame of it because he knew that in just a little while, he'd be sitting at the right hand of the Father. This joy set before us, too. We need to look to the joy that is set before us. Number three. It is always God's will for us to walk in the Spirit. It is always God's will for us to walk in the Spirit. Obey His promptings according to His Word. Verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from what is evil. See, the word quench, when you talk about quenching the Spirit in this verse, is taken from a Greek word that is very hard to pronounce. That's why I have it like phonetically in my notes here. Spadame. The Greek word is spadame. The word spadame means to extinguish, to smother, to suppress, douse, put out, snuff out, or to quell. All those things. That's what quench means. It most often means to extinguish a fire by dousing it with water. In some places, it, it means to evaporate or to dry up. Rick Reiner, in his book, Sparkle, uh, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, says this. If we ignore the Holy Spirit's voice long enough and often enough, eventually we will become spiritually hardened and will no longer be able to hear him when he does try to speak to us. It will be like his voice evaporates or dries up. He will, uh, and we will hear it, no. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. Now, we think of prophecy as this, like, you know, predictions of the future. Well, most time when this, you, and it does mean that in some contexts, okay? But most of the time when this word is used, it means the presentation of the word of God. A prophet presents the word of God. Okay? It says, don't despise prophecies. But what does it say next? Text, test them. You know what that means? 
means you are an active participant in this thing we're doing right now. I'm glad we don't have a fact checker screen because that's just a little weird. But the idea is we're not supposed to be consumers of a presentation. That's not what the church is. The church is supposed to be actively engaging in the Word of God. That's why I have have a feeling that the early church would have seen this format of church as a little bizarre. You know, the, 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 now this, this is what we have right now. I understand that. But I like the idea of, of maybe working in a little bit of original church. And what I mean by original church is this. They sat together in a room. They talked about the word of God. Some people, multiple people gave, uh, two or three, they said two or three gave prophecies, which means presented something. And what do they do? They talked about it. You know what that sounds like to me? A life group. It sounds like a life group to me. Where they met in your homes and they sat around and they talked about the word of God. That, that's why we're trying, that's why we try <laughs> so hard to get people engaged in a life group and, 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 and do that type of thing because this is great, but this is, I'm, afra- I'm afraid of, of this. What Evan, not Evan, he's a good gay guy. But I'm afraid of the, 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 the thing that COVID has done to the church. Where people are consuming messages a lot. But it is becoming a spectator sport. That's never what the church was supposed to be. The church is, a, the Holy Spirit is alive in his church. And the spark is, 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 is um, that flame is stoked in the midst of his people who are actively engaging in the word. It's not supposed to be a spectator sport. We test, we struggle with it so that we can hold fast to what is good and reject what is evil. This is a very proactive posture toward the teaching of the word. It's not a passive consumer mentality toward life of the church. This is what is going to take to keep the flame of the Holy Spirit alive. We want to stir one another up to faith and good works. We don't want, we don't want our churches to become institutionally um, dousing to the Spirit. Do you know what I mean? We don't want our, we don't want our structures to limit or douse that flame of the Holy Spirit. If we're not careful, we can do that. Got to be careful that we, we, we present to God a church that the Holy Spirit can enliven and use. Dr. Handley Mole, how'd you like your last name to be Mole? A great Anglican bishop of a past generation used to say, the difference between someone who is quenching the Spirit and someone who is allowing the Holy Spirit to live free, uh, to have free course in their life, is the difference between a well 
in which there is a spring of water choked. It's there, but it can't get. It's choked, right? And a well in which the obstruction is removed so that the water springs up and fills the well. If you have no joy or thanksgiving in your life, maybe that well is obstructed. The Holy Spirit wants to use you, wants to do these practical things that we're talking about today. We can't, they're not natural. There's not things we can do in and of our own power and strength. It's, it's, it doesn't work that way. It's supernatural. It needs the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we close those floodgates. How do we do that? I don't know. Maybe it's choked by fear. Resentments. Indecision, self-centeredness, sin. Remember what I said earlier? Where the light is, darkness has to flee, right? Right? For those of us who are living in our darkness, sometimes we don't, like to, we don't want to pull the shades up. We're happy with our sin right now. We're happy with our selfishness. We're happy with our fear or resentment. We don't want to lift the shades because we know that if we let the Holy Spirit in, everything's going to change. <laughs> We've got to open that up, folks. We've got to open it up. What does it say? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's leave that on the board for a second. Rejoice always. Ouch. That's tough. Simplistically difficult. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Now, this is not to substitute for your, your personal devotional time. Okay, I'm not, well, I just, I'm, I don't have a, a devotional time because I'm just praying without ceasing. No, you're not. Liar. Sinner. Lying is a sin. No, we should have our devotional times. We should have those, those intimate times with God. But here's the thing. What does this mean to pray without ceasing? When something comes your way, which life always does every day, go to God with it. Go to God with it. Rejoice always in every circumstance. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks. Oh, we need to be a thankful people. We're so blessed in the spiritual. And many of us are very blessed even in the temporal. We're so blessed. One of the things that I love talking to missionaries when they come back from the field. And time and time again, what I hear from these missionaries is 
coming back to the United States is depressing. These people have nothing in the country that I'm at, and they're so happy. They have nothing. How many of your kids would be happy to open up a box full of dollar store stuff for Christmas, and that's their only Christmas? Pencils and paper and one doll. See the faces on those kids last week when we showed the video? Interesting. I didn't say it. Missionaries say it. I'll, I'll take them out for lunch and be like, how are things going? Okay, it's hard to adjust back to the States. Why? What's going on? Oh, no, it's just, you know, kind of depressing. What do you mean? Well, nobody's happy here. Everybody's got issues. In other countries, you know, their biggest issue is finding food. When they find it, they're very happy. Maybe we need to check ourselves. That's all. Maybe we just need to check ourselves. Where are we? Can we give thanks in all circumstances? For this, this is. Okay, folks, listen. It's not magic. It's not like, you know, you can conjure up the will of God or, 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 or you know, you find something in some, you know, dusty book that you haven't read in forever, that you're going to find that, like a Gnostic, the knowledge of what God's will is. It is right here. It's right there. This is the will of God. It's too simple. It's too simple. That can't be the will of God. It's too simple. Trust me. Try to apply this to your life, and you will find it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this in your life. It's simplistically difficult. Folks, all we have is today. We don't know what tomorrow holds. In fact, when we start to think about what tomorrow holds, ugh. Ugh. I start getting, like, anxious. Right? We start getting, like, Oh man. All we have is all we have is today. The time is short and the coming of Christ could be at any moment. Well, pastor, church has been saying that forever. And it's more true today than it ever was. Right? If we're still here, it means he hasn't come yet, so it means we're closer. Yep, yeah, right. So, whenever a pastor says so, it means he's going to tell you something. So, let us seize the day and be about our Father's work while it's still called today. While it's still, while we still draw breath. While we have this spark of life in us. Don't waste it on worry. Don't waste it on fear. Don't waste it on stuff. Focus it. Focus on the blessings. Focus on the, the joy. 
And let's let God take care of the rest. What does, God, what does Jesus say? You can't make one hair black or white. Some of you ladies figured that out in the salon, but I'm not sure. It's still white underneath. Anyway, uh, you can't make one hair black or white by worrying. Or, or, or extend your life one more day by worrying. In fact, the more you worry, the whiter your hair is going to get and the less you will live. All you have is today. All you have is today. I'm telling you, folks, we need to seize that opportunity and, and accomplish the will of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would just allow us today to know that your will is laid out for us. It's not mystical. It's very practical. Lord, in accomplishing the will of God in our day-to-day, we will find the things that you want us to do, the places you want us to go, the jobs you want us to have, the ones we are to marry. All those things will be added to us when we follow the will of God as it is laid out in your word. God, I pray today, pray today that my brothers and sisters will rejoice always. Because no matter what season we're in, we can rejoice in the blessing, eternal life, and the joy of our salvation. Lord, help us to be praying without ceasing, continually, continually, communion with you. For the good and the bad, for the mundane, for the extreme, help us to always, you be the first one we go to. Lord, help us to be a thankful people in every circumstance we find ourselves in. And God, I pray that we would be the church, that we would love one another, that we spur one another on, that we would exhort one another, that we would encourage one another, that we would be there for one another. So that when somebody is going through a difficult time, when the circumstances are not good, we can be thankful because we have one another. And we can be your hands extended in love and friendship and care to one another. God, allow your spirit to work in your church to be the driving force of our day-to-day. Lord, cast out fear, anxiety, depression, all the things that lead to those awful things. Let us lean and rest in you, the God of all peace. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and seize the day. God bless you.